21CL Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Education Vanguard. I'm your host, Michael Boll. Today, we have Dr. Jason Richardson, all the way from Kentucky. If you're motivated to create change at your school or other organization, yet want to know if the idea you have or the effort you have put forth is actually helpful, then Action Research might be for you. Action Research involves defining and validating a problem, seeing the impact of the solution, and more. My interview with Dr. Jason Richardson goes deep into the action research methodology. Enjoy the conversation. Jason Richardson, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Yeah, Michael, glad to come along. Uh, Today we're going to talk all about action research, which is an upcoming uh, pre-conference, a full-day conference that you're giving in Hong Kong later on in March. Uh, Let's start with the obvious, perhaps to new people, to the idea of action research, and which is, what is action research? Uh, Good question. Action research can be thought of broadly as taking action, well, any kind of research that focuses on action of change. So when folks come with uh, problems to me, they have to be problems of practice, problems in which they can make a change so that they could actually act upon. So then we do research around their actions, if you will, which is a little bit different than just researching more um, Topics that are removed from their actions, so like interviewing people outside of your organization isn't an action that you can actually control or change. So action research is all about making change in your own practice. And what would be some, I don't know, what's a sample that stands out to you of uh, a good thing to use for action research? Yeah, you bet. So, for example, if you're wanting to get kids more engaged in your classroom and you're not real sure, you've done a little bit of reading and you say, hey, there's this thing of personalized learning or project-based learning, or maybe I want to do a little bit more with group work. So you have a couple different ideas that you say might get kids engaged. So what you want to do is try to set up a, a pseudo-experiment, if you will, to try to say, what do I care about? What do I want to change? And then you implement some of these theories, if you will, like, for example, problem-based learning. If I want to implement it in my class, what kind of changes do I want to see? And then did you see them at the end? And then you can make another cycle of that um, research to see if you were right or you were wrong. All right. So you've seen a few of these action research happen. Where do you find it usually happening? Is it like an individual, whether that's a teacher or a school leader, or is it uh, an organization doing the action research? It can be any of the above, actually. Action research is usually done um, within the organization, and it could be with teams. It could be all by yourself if you're a uh, a singlet, but most often it works in concert with other members because schools are you know, an organization. So oftentimes we might work with other teachers to get their feel or other leaders to get their perspective of what's actually happening. So we do use the greater community um, as a sounding board, if you will, to try to figure out what's going on in the, uh, in the organization and to try to figure out if your actions are making any differences. Is there one that, in your experience, works better? Does it work? I'm imagining it would work better if an organization, let's say my school, wanted to do some action research and was supporting three people doing it. Or do you find it's better sure. that the, there's a super motivated individual who wants to do it? 
Um, it, it works better if there's a school that wants to do it, because um, then we can actually sort of set it up as far as different models, have a, a, a business-as-usual classroom and then another classroom that's actually implementing this. And then you can start talking about what's working, what's not working, and sharing some of those experiences with the organization. Because a lot of times what we see, especially at the leadership level, Michael, is schools go all in on an innovation, right? Like, for example, you know, years ago, we were saying, hey, let's use Chromebooks. So schools would just go all in and get Chromebooks for all of their teachers and all mm-hmm. of their students, and they wouldn't know what what changes they want. And they're like, well, how do we know this is doing anything? Well, if they did action research, they could sort of be piloting it in a few different classes to say, are kids more engaged? Maybe that's your theory of action. So do Chromebooks make kids more engaged? You can actually create a little mini study and rather quickly, I mean, it's not a year long study. You can do this within a few weeks if you want a couple different cycles of this and try to say, is this making any of the changes that we want? And if not, why? Or are we measuring the wrong thing? Okay. Well, let's let's carry forward with that Chromebook So, I, concept. So. You talk about the different initiatives for uh, change using action research. So there's diagnosis, collecting, planning, acting, evaluating, monitoring the results. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking if we use the Chromebook example, we could step through some of those. Do you think that would work? Sure, you bet. All right, so I have a school that doesn't really have technology, and I got this huge grant, and then I want to convince, or I convince the tech director to do Chromebooks within the classroom. Mm -hmm. And so the first step then is diagnosing the problem. I'm trying to think of what's my problem, that I don't have technology? Right. Well, that's where we often start off with the intervention without knowing what the problem is, especially when we think about uh, one-to-one initiatives. So, I mean, that's a prime example of folks saying, I want to do intervention X, but I don't really know why, right? Right. So I I always have to back teachers up and leaders up to say, okay, why are you actually doing this? What problems do you have in your organization that you want to see improvements on? So trying to back them up into that, and they're going to walk back into, hey, we, we think that Chromebooks are going to be a good tool to try to address that problem. So for example, we would talk about, well, do you notice that kids, that you have a truancy issue, that you have an engagement issue, that you have a problem with assessment, that you have an issue with um, uh, teacher uniformity, I suppose, right? Or with mm-hmm. content delivery. So we, we, we back up to try to figure out what are some of the core burning problems. You might have 10, but we don't, we're not gonna try to fix all 10, right? No, so I, we try I, to, Trying to down a few. Well, I worry a little bit about whether I'd be facetious. Like, for example, if I was at a school that didn't have Chromebooks and everybody else has them, my reason for doing it might be I need to do what everybody else is doing so I don't feel like I'm left behind. For sure. Yep. And then I would go and, and that, dig up all these other reasons, like truancy. Does that happen sometimes? Right. Yep. And that happens all the time, for sure. And unfortunately, those often fail. Like, for example, we look at um, the, uh, the big initiative, big failed initiative in L.A., where they bought, you know, I, I think it was Chromebooks and um, MacBooks for uh, everyone. Yeah, they had right. no problem to solve. Mm-hmm. So they guess through, through technology at the problem without, with, or they guess through technology in the environment without mm-hmm. even knowing what the problem was or what they, why, why they were doing it. So if someone came to me saying, hey, what should I get, MacBooks or Chromebooks? I would say, well, what do you want to do? What's your problem? <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's back it up to say, what do you want to improve? Okay, so, so if it's... If it's a matter of, hey, my neighbors are doing it and we have to do it, well, then you don't really have a problem. You just want to do an upgrade of tools, right? Mm-hmm. 
So then don't be don't be surprised if you don't get any outcomes from that upgrade of tools, right? If you're like, hey, we're going to go from ballpoint pens to fountain pens, that's just an upgrade. <laughs> don't, don't expect to now miraculously see some sort of a difference when you didn't even care if there's a difference. You just wanted a better tool. Okay, so let's say my problem is a we. I want to. I'm not sure. I want to increase media literacy. I guess my problem is I don't have enough media literacy, and I okay. see Chromebooks is the way to do that. Okay. Uh, so have I then diagnosed the problem? Sure. Yeah. You want to try to increase the, uh, digital literacy? You're going to do that through the use of Chromebooks. Sure. Yep. Okay. So the next step then is collecting reconnaissance data. Now that sounds cool. That sounds like something sneaky. Like I'm going to put it on does. some sort of software that's going to collect stuff magically or secretly that the kids won't know about. Is that how it works? Right. Um, no. <laughs> so Well, we that's not to, fun. <laughs> no, no, it's not. So we try to collect reconnaissance data. We really want to try to understand what is happening now and what data do I have to actually say this is a problem. Um, so oftentimes we have teachers or leaders um, or administrators of source who come to us and say, I have a problem. For example, I just had a, a doc student right now said, I think I have a problem with induction. Oh, I'm sorry. It was attrition. My teachers are leaving for another school district that's paying yeah. $10,000 more, right? So we had to back up. Well, is the issue attrition? That's not really, that's more of a long-term problem. Mm -hmm. So maybe the problem is they don't feel a sense of belonging. I mean, if they have a, a problem with, you know, this other place is just paying more cash and that's the bottom line, you can't fix that, right? That's not in your locus of control because you can't give them any more money, <laughs> right? Right. So, right. so his, his, his problem was, you know, if he was just looking at giving them money, he can't fix that. He, that's not within his organizational scope of, of change. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to talk to him about maybe the issue is a sense of belongingness, maybe it's a sense of trust, maybe it's a sense of community. So trying to back up into that. So for the recognizance data, for the example you're using, it might be maybe we need to do a survey to say, where are our students currently with media literacy? Mm -hmm. Maybe you misdiagnose that. Maybe you're like, wow, when I start asking these questions or I do interviews with these students, they're pretty darn literate. So maybe it's not media literacy. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's other issues with digital citizenship, right, That's that you're not really thinking about focusing on. So we need to come up with first, what kind of data do I need to collect to first prove to me that this is a problem? And that can be through surveys, through achievement data, through interviews with te teachers, with students, with leaders. And that's when you start saying, this is what my problem looks like. All right. So, so that's I, our I, starting point. I have a fear of bias here. So if like if for example I I've decided that media literacy is an issue at my school, then that data is going to show that is what I'm going to decide. I mean, I, I'd be worried that do I guess yep. the question is do people see the data and then say, uh, well that doesn't fit what I wanted it to fit and then just sort of change it or change how they collect the data so it fits what they need? Good question. This goes back to your question about should I do this in a silo or should I do this in a team? Well, having critical uh, friends trying right. to verify your um, your analysis and your uh, your inferences of those analysis uh, is a critical thing, right? So if you're working in a school district, maybe a teacher comes up with that or maybe mm -hmm. the IT person. Well, let's actually bring a, a group of stakeholders together and say, this is what I'm seeing. Do you all agree? Do we – we're trying to come up with a theory of action here. Do we all agree that this sort of an intervention might actually improve this problem? So the key is having so, that group of people who are willing to say, uh, dude, no, 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 you missed it. Yes. Having some systems of checks and balances is important. So that's how we're going to verify, uh, validate our, uh, our, our data in as well as our interpretations of that data. Okay. So we can't really validate the problem. Then we should stop at this point. 
Yep, yep, because then maybe you haven't really clearly defined what the problem is. And if you yeah. can't measure it, well, that's going to be a heck of a problem, right? Because every problem is somewhat measurable. You're just maybe looking at it from the wrong angle. All right. So I've done, let's pretend that I've done collected their constants data, and it's clear these kids have no idea about media literacy. In fact, neither do the teachers. Next step is to plan for the intervention. And maybe this is where the Chromebooks come in. That was my original plan, but you made me say, no, 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 or help me understand that it was media literacy was the issue. And right. so now can I get my Chromebooks? Well, the Chromebooks are only the tool. Now you have to decide what are you going to do with those Chromebooks, Right. So now, mm-hmm. so just to, to back up with what you were saying back in the stage one here or phase one, you're diagnosing and saying, sort of saying, hey, I want to implement this Chromebook. Well, maybe what you really want to do is implement maybe a professional development around the use of Chromebooks, mm-hmm. right? That, that is focused on media literacy in hopes that if we put media literacy front and center through the use of this device that I can actually make some impact on these uh, the measures that I took in my reconnaissance phase. Okay, so I'm so all planning. It's not just a tool. You, now, now it opens up the teachers and the leaders to say, oh, I was focusing on the tool versus what do I want to do with the tool, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, because so, that, the, the, the tool is often the shiny object that we're focused on. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. So now in the planning stage, now you might be working with other teachers or other uh, stakeholders say, what, how can we use this tool to best address this problem? All so right. then it might be professional development, it might be instructional coaching, right? It might be um, uh, different media uh, uh, curriculums that we want to implement, so, mm-hmm. or some sort of a project-based uh, learning that we want to implement through the um, Chromebook that would actually highlight some of the core digital mil- uh, uh, literacies that we're wanting to try to to increase or improve. Mm-hmm. All right, and once we've done that, then we act on it, meaning we start using the stuff. Exactly, and even in the acting stage, what's important there is to measure your intervention. You want to measure the fidelity of the intervention, right? So most folks mm-hmm. just they think that they're just doing it and doing a good job. Well. Some of the problems, Michael, is that you're not actually doing it the way that you intended, right? So you have to have some sort of system of checks and balances. So not only are you monitoring the problem that you were looking at in the recognizance phase, you're now also measuring the actual acting. So if you're doing professional development, for for example, did Mm -hmm. I – uh, do the professional development as intended? Did the uh, teachers then have follow-through on that professional development? If not, why? Was it something I did wrong? Do I need to do something else? So we do need to make sure that we're that the uh, intervention as you're planning is being enacted as you planned it. All right, and that can well if you're doing that at a, at a large organization or a larger school, that's is that possible? I mean, how, I guess it depends on my, what my role is. How do I get that information or even know whether things are being acted on in the way that I'd hoped? That's got to be well, a huge problem. Yeah, if you think about a huge organization wanting to grow out something like this, you would work with a core group of folks to say, is this working with them? And then you would roll that out because it gets unwieldy, right? I mean, if you have 100 teachers, you can't possibly do something like this. It, it gets to be too time-consuming, and all you're doing is doing the evaluation and not really trying to improve instructional practices. Okay. Now, the next step is evaluating the efforts. Is that something that then I would guess is ongoing? You don't just do it at the end. Right, exactly. So that's when you're going back to the reconnaissance data and you're evaluating that data again. So, for example, if you have some sort of digital literacy survey, you're going to be revisiting that to see if you've made any changes. You're also um, doing some of the evaluation of the data you've been collecting on the um, uh, uh, intervention. 
to make sure that that intervention is, is being um, put forth with fidelity. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the last thing is monitoring the results. Is this done after? Um, yes. So th- this monitoring is when you're starting to make in- uh, inferences. So as far as what can we tell from this first iteration? So what what what, what so now that we have this whole picture of the recognizance data, the pre and post data, the intervention data, now what can we do with it? What kind of story are we trying to tell? So this is sort of when we also might think that, okay, we have this professional development. The professional development didn't actually work right. So you come up with a revision, if you will, of what that action should be. Mm-hmm. So maybe you realize, hey, I shouldn't be doing it with all my teachers. I should just really be focusing on one subject level. So then you would go back and do the whole thing again. Okay. So, so it's I'll, a cyclic process. So along the way then, as we, as we look at this, like when I – if as a typical teacher, let's say if, as an entrepreneur, I would maybe want to validate what my believe the problem is and fix it before I spend a lot of energy and time on it. Like my mindset For sure. would be to do that. But as a teacher, my mindset would be, oh, this is what I'm going to fix. I might not be so happy realizing I was wrong. Uh, how do people – I mean, is there, can we go into it, or do you suggest people go into it with the mindset of, hey, by the way, you're probably going to be wrong, or your assumptions will be wrong in the beginning, and you'll have to start again, and just be ready for that? It goes on the design thinking principles of fail early, fail fast, okay. right? Yeah. So, and that's so, not, to me, that's not what, I wouldn't think of that normally when it comes to action research. I'd be like, oh, I have this problem, I'm going to solve it. Right, right. And you are going to, prob- going to solve it, but you're also not... 100% sure that your actions or your intervention is actually going to be making any um, or that changes. Or the right problem, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so you might actually go through this whole process and say, I've actually mixed, misdiagnosed the problem. Maybe it's not media literacy. Maybe the issue is you know, the, the nine elements of digital citizenship. Maybe I need to focus on another one, mm-hmm. right? Maybe that's what my real problem is. I've been, I've been thinking it was media literacy, and even in the recognizance phase, I convinced myself that it was, but now I see that it's not. All so right, it so might also, going through the cycle, uh, illuminate some of your, your problems that you didn't see before. Well, that's why I wonder, like at the beginning of, a, let's say, a pre-conference, right, do you sit there and say to the people, hey, we're going to go through this process, and by the way, you're probably going to be wrong right at the beginning, so just be ready for that, and then you can cycle through again until you're correct. Exactly, yep. And, and that's when you come up with timelines as well. I mean, you don't want this to uh-huh. be a year-long phase. I mean, you want to, if, like, if you do a professional development, you want to see if this is actually making any shifts in, in media literacy. You also have to come up with a theory on how long is it going to take before I, I, I hypothesize that I will see a change, right? So we try to make it time-bound um, to a shorter time as, po- as possible. Okay, got it. Motivation, then. Like, Going through this, like in the beginning, I'd be all excited about it. But as I go through the process, it would be pretty tough to along the way, especially if I'm getting resistance and realizing that my idea or my problem maybe isn't what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. How often do people actually finish this stuff? Um, you'd be surprised. Once you, 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 you systematize this and you put it into an organization, it starts to happen all the time. So a lot of times, for example, let's, let's back this up into something even easier as far as you know, teaching my uh, third graders basic addition, right? So I'm going to say mm-hmm. I'm going to do a, a first test to see how well they're doing, and you know, 80% of my kids don't do so well. They're below a C. So what I'm going to do is give them more homework, right? And then you just you, you go through the, 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 the lessons, give them more homework, and you evaluate again like, well, mm-hmm. they're still getting Cs. 
So you're not really actually saying, now what am I going to do differently? Oftentimes, we just keep doing the same thing over and over again, saying, well, I guess I need to do more of that action. I guess I need to give them more homework, right? Right, right, right. So, so, so we're not really systematizing some of our efforts and thinking maybe there's something else. So action research, I think, gives us some liberty to play with interventions, if you will, to see does this make any changes? And maybe – or maybe the changes that I want to see aren't, aren't the ones that I thought I would see. So, for example, oftentimes we do interviews with students, and we might say, hey, I hope to see an improvement in math outcomes, but I don't. But when my interviews with my students during the evaluation phase, they say, you know what, but I'm actually a lot more engaged in the topic. Oh, wow, this was a whole uh, area that I did not explore, my student engagement. So maybe if my kids were more engaged, maybe they're going to be able to have some of these outcomes that I was wanting longer term. Okay. So you might see some other things that are really cool that you might want to start focusing on. That, that might be more important than what you thought to begin with. Oh, I see. That's, now, you talked in the beginning about the design cycle and, and action research. When you, the more you talked about it, the more it seems to me like it's the same thing, except maybe the design cycle has a sexier name to it. Right. Yes. Yeah. So design thinking, yes, definitely much more um, cachet and definitely much more business oriented a uh-huh. lot of times, if you will. Right. So where action research is much more uh, methodical, if you will. So we try to systematize it and try to make it much more um, bite sizable for folks. Could you just replace uh, the action research with the design process? Um. To some extent, this, this would be a different type of a cycle that would work within a design process for sure. Mm-hmm. So I've taught action research in three or four different ways, and there's a couple different models that work really well. Um, so, so yeah, as long as you're thinking about the data and you're thinking about the actions and thinking about uh, the data that so, so the, the data that come in and the data that come out, right? Thinking about the whole uh, again the cycle, then I suppose you could use a lot of the design thinking principles on here, but it might miss some of the elements, and I'm not that versed on the design thinking stuff. Okay, that's what you're saying. All right, let's talk about the future, though. As we're coming to the end of our time here. Are you predicting or seeing that action research is becoming more systematized, as you said, in schools and becoming more popular, or is it still something that uh, you really have to push people in organizations to do? The, the desire to do action research or to implement action research in these organizations it's, it's becoming quite popular, Michael. So for now, like example, for example, our EDD is all based on action research. Mm-hmm. So a lot of doct- doctors now are built on how do you design a really robust action research project and test it out. And then once you do it once, you can do it on any problem of practice. So I think it's becoming more and more important and more and more of interest to folks. So I'm seeing teacher leaders wanting to do it. It's now being embedded as far as the capstone projects of teacher leadership programs, the master's programs, EDD programs. So it's gaining a lot of traction. All right, Jason Richardson, thanks so much for your time today. You're welcome. Glad to participate. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.